awesome is that um, freedom we have. I was woken up at 4 a.m. this morning and uh, I lay there for quite a while asking the usual question is, you know, this you, Lord, have you got something to say? Or, you know, is this just, you know, waking up and one of those mid- midnight disturbances? But, but I sense the Lord putting something on my heart and, and very soon a number of thoughts came to mind and I thought, no, I, I think you're really... This is really for church, isn't it? And so I got up out of bed and went to uh, the lounge room where I had a pad and pen and I just asked the Lord again, okay, just waken me up afresh, Father. What, what was that? What, just, just let those thoughts go again. And I, I just felt him lead, leading me to write this for, yes, maybe a particular individual here tonight, but really maybe for the whole church in a sense. The word I felt that he gave me was really about our freedom just as we were singing there this is it Jesus found you as a spiritual corpse on a battlefield called this world he breathed freedom into you and he said live and he has been appointed to reign over all things in order to deliver you from anything that stands in the way of that life, that life of his purposes for you. So tonight, the Lord Jesus Christ says to you, live, live. He has breathed his life into you and he invites you to enjoy all that that life entails along with the freedom that that goes with it. Lord Jesus, it's good to be here tonight and to gather together as your people. That pathway into the freedom that you invite us to share in you, the life that is truly life, it begins with surrendering ourselves totally and absolutely to you. And in that same vein, we, as we take up the offering in just a moment, we want to use that as a symbol, an expression of The fact that all that we are and all that we have belongs to you. It's a small contribution that we might make, Heavenly Father, but but as we do it, we're saying, we're all yours, Lord, wholeheartedly. We belong to you. We thank you so much for providing for us as a church in every way. And today has been a day of taking up, yes, an offering, but perhaps a special offering in the sense that we are especially looking to you to provide for all of the needs that we sense that we have as a church. We're not looking to one another. We're not looking to ourselves as if somehow we just have to dig deeper. We're looking to you. You have everything that we need. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Our eyes will not wander elsewhere. You and you alone can sustain the weary. You and you alone can provide for our needs. And you know them all. What we should eat and what we should wear. Every possible need we could ever have, you know it even before, Father, we know it. So individually and as a church, we bring our needs before you and we... We look to you to provide. Now, please receive our offerings tonight as, yes, 
we said before, that symbol, that, that expression of our love for you and our submission to you. We ask this in your most wonderful name, Jesus, the name that is above all names. Amen.
one who died for us just so that we could have an intimate relationship with you. We look to you as the only one worth living for. We look to you in praise. And God, we look to you in thanks for these things. God, we just look to you now. God, we delight in this place of thankfulness and surrender. It's the best place that we can ever be. God, you're so good. We praise you for Jesus, a name that just can so easily pass our lips. It's just the name that set us free. There's such power in that name. Such power that we cannot even begin to comprehend. So God, we look to you now. We look to you as the one in whom we'll be satisfied, the only one that we wish to glorify. And just as we sit in this posture of of surrender, of delighting in you and seeking to understand you, God, may we just maintain this posture as we we come tonight, as we come to, to listen to a testimony of your awesome power working in. Um, one of your believers. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, feel free to grab a seat. I'd like to welcome you all here tonight and a special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us as well. Um, As usual, we've got a lot going on in our church family. So I'm just going to run you through some of those announcements tonight. Um, And just as I do that, we're going to have a clipboard with a sign-up sheet for supper. Um, We all love tea and coffee after the service at night. So um, I believe that's going to be handed around as I run through these things. Um, We have a new little addition to our church family here. I believe we have a photo. Um, Georgia May Otten, you just have to put your head sideways a bit. (laughs) Georgia May Otten was born on Tuesday night this week. So um, next time you see the family at church, be sure to go and just welcome them, offer your congratulations to them. Um, And yes, go admire the cute little baby. Alrighty, a very special event was held over this weekend from Friday, I believe, until tonight, Um, and that's an Awakening Australia event, Um, and a number of us here from the congregation actually went to that. So next Sunday night, we're going to be featuring a special time for people who attended the event to come and share their testimonies of how they saw the Spirit at work over over those few days, Um, and for those of you who didn't attend the conference, that's just a really special time to, I guess, to share in that together. Um, for those who did attend, um, next Sunday afternoon at 3.30 here at the Eltham campus, before the night service, um, we're going to have kind of a group processing time. Um, so if you can come to that, that would be great. Uh, last thing I've got here is the giving tree. 
Um, now, this is an awesome opportunity for us here at Local Church to partner with um, an organisation in the community um, in giving hampers to families in need over the Christmas period. And we are partnering in such a way as we're kind of acting as the hosts. Um, so we're going to have, hopefully have people here to, to welcome families as they come in. Um, we're going to have some refreshments. Um, and we actually would really love to decorate this place. So it just looks really Christmassy and it's just a really special event. So for those of you who would like to be a part of that, just get the dates. I believe it's on the 17th we're going to be decorating here and on the 18th we're going to be hosting the event. And if you want any more details, please see Bron Hunt. Um, and that's all I have for us tonight. Um, feel free to chat to the person next to you. There's no kids' church tonight, um, but there are activity packs up the back um, for the kids. <laughs> Thank you. One, two, one, two. Testing one, two. Good evening to you. It's great to have you with us tonight. Been a been a big day. Um, for those of you who weren't here this morning, you missed out on not only our church meeting, but a bouncy castle as well. Um, sausages. We we started. I know. I it hurts me to break that to you, Katie. Um, but uh, we don't. 
We had a lovely church meeting and a lovely time together. Both campuses, Hurst Bridge and Eltham, were, were together this morning. The place was packed out. It was beginning to feel a, a lot like Christmas um, when we get to those Advent services and, and um, we, uh, we both meet here. So it was, was wonderful. But if you'd come this morning, you'd realize that uh, in, in our, uh, as we're working through Mark, the particular passage we're looking at um, today is an interesting one. I'm going to read it to you in a moment. But it is basically Jesus healing a boy who is affected by an impure or unclean spirit. We're going to have a look at that passage in just a moment. But I said this morning, um, one, of the, one of the very interesting things is this whole area, we sometimes call it demon possession, or you have may, may uh, have heard a deliverance of somebody from a, from a demon has been referred to as exorcism. And and um, we wanted to just have a little bit of a look at that tonight. What is it? What isn't? What it isn't? And, um, and also hear um, a testimony from somebody um, in our congregation here who, in the last year or so, has actually been um, come to faith and been, been delivered um, from an unclean spirit or spirits. And, and that's why we've got the chairs up on the stage. Um, the, the sermon is actually going to transition into a little bit of, a, little bit of an interview at a time. But, but firstly, let me just set the scene by, by sharing with you this, this passage. If you want to hear the full sermon, um, you can go onto our website and you can hear the audio podcast from this morning. I'm not going to go over everything that I went through this morning, but I do need to just set a little bit of the context and, and um, give you an idea of where we are in the book of Mark here. Um, now, we... One of the things we're discovering is in the book of Mark, Jesus is very, very powerful. He's powerful. He has, he has power over illnesses and all sorts of things, um, natural, natural things and, and so forth. And, and we also see in this particular passage before us that Jesus is able to deliver us from everything, in fact, that stands in opposition to his purposes for our life. The passage that we're looking at is a very very tender one in one sense. You'll see the compassion of Jesus very much as he's confronted with a little boy who, as far as we know, um, nothing, by, uh, nothing to do with you know, his, his own fault, but he's troubled by an unclean spirit. And in chapter 9, verse 14, let me read you the story and then just make a couple of comments before we invite Stephen, Conodaris, and, and Liz to come and join me and to talk a little bit about um, an experience that Stephen had in terms of deliverance. But let's, let's look at Scripture first. Chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. Now, context here is they've just been up on a mountain. The transfiguration has taken place. Here is this mountaintop experience. And right after that, Jesus comes back, you know, into very much the reality of this world and and in a crowd gathering, an argument taking place, and soon a confrontation with evil. So an argument is going, going on, and as soon as people saw Jesus approaching, they were overwhelmed with wonder, and they ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. 
You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked. It convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Okay, well, what is, what is going on here? Well, firstly, very commonly today, we can, we can get various ailments and illnesses and sicknesses, particularly, particularly mental health issues, confused with what it means to be troubled by a demon or a, or a spirit. But clearly here... What is going on is that this young boy um, and his, his problems are caused by an unclean spirit. We know that from verse 25. When Jesus speaks to it, he says, you deaf and mute spirit. He actually refers to the spirit. So that's what's going on here. We should note that not every person who is deaf or who is mute, though, is so because it's caused by a demon. In fact, in in chapter 7, verses 31 to 37, there's a story about Jesus healing a person who is deaf and mute, and there's no mention at all of an evil spirit. It is quite simply um, a physical ailment, and Jesus heals that person. Um, we should note, when we talk about demonization and so forth, that not every obstacle to our Christian growth and not every cause of opposition that we face is actually caused by a demon. I used this morning the example of, let's say, addiction to pornography. It, it might actually lead to demonic activity. And, and is there some perhaps demonic activity that's tempting, tempting people in this way? Well, absolutely. But it might not mean that you're actually possessed by Holy Spirit. I think if you, if you throw in a bunch of hormones and sinful lust and some bad habits, you can actually have a problem with, with addiction to pornography without actually being possessed, as it were, by an evil spirit. So there are some things in life that are quite simply sin and physical ailments and all those sorts of things that are quite simply caused by bad choices and other, other things as well. well. We'll get to a little bit of that. Um, you note in verse 15... As the man describes what is, what is happening, um, sorry, verse 18, when the man describes what happens to his son, he says that it seizes him 
and uh, throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. Those sort of symptoms sound like what we would commonly call today a seizure, don't they? And sometimes even a type of seizure called epilepsy, it sounds a little bit like that. But clearly in this passage, there's no indication that the epilepsy is, is actually caused by demon possession. The demon possessing this young boy actually throws him into the epileptic seizure. And so, again, it's important to note that the two are actually different. Um, epilepsy and seizures can have absolutely different causes to just the demonic. And then lastly, I'll just note that the interesting thing here in this passage is it's not a problem for God. It's not a problem. Um, it's very interesting, as a, a bold Bible college principal of mine used to note, that, that Jesus didn't focus on the demonic and he didn't focus on the schemes of the evil one. When he was confronted with it, he simply dealt with it. But I guess Jesus was ushering in and he was preaching the kingdom of God, the reign of God. And he embodied the reign of God and the rule of God. Wherever Jesus was present, the reign was present. So he really didn't have to focus per se on the schemes of the evil one. Everything, everything that encountered the presence of Jesus was immediately conquered by that. That's the nature of the kingdom of God. So this isn't a problem for God. In verse 19, he simply says, bring the boy to me. As if to say, I will deal with this. Bring the boy to me. Um, in verse 20, when the spirit saw Jesus, um, it was alarmed and it, and it threw the boy into that sort of a seizure. The spirit recognized who Jesus was, his position and, and his authority. In verse 23, Jesus says to the father, everything is possible for the person who believes. In other words, the power of God and the authority of God is absolutely unlimited in this regard. And everything is possible. And then in verse 25, it's a very, very simple procedure by which this evil spirit is cast out of this young boy. Jesus simply says, I command you to leave. And it had to do what Jesus said. So we see through this passage, Jesus is in total control throughout this. This, as alarming as it might be to us, is actually not alarming and it's not a problem for Jesus. So with that as the backdrop, just, just explaining those scriptures, and I may come back and, and just touch on a couple of things before, I recognize that it's a little bit, little bit odd for us in, in Western society. Um, Merrill Unger, a, a fairly conservative Bible scholar, um, many, many years ago wrote a book, What Demons Can Do to Saints. And he, he simply mentions in, in the book, in this, in this regard, that extreme demonization is possible Usually where ignorance and sin have given the powers of darkness access to human personality, often through centuries of entrenched paganism. But in lands where Christianity and cultural advance have been a beneficent influence for centuries, few Christians are victimized by demonization in its baser forms. But then he says, he talks about the more mild forms of demonization. He says the situation is quite different. To this lesser degree of demonization, it is feared or should be feared in an age of spreading occultism and moral laxity, more and more believers are becoming invaded by demon powers and are being afflicted with physical, mental, emotional and moral problems that unmistakably go beyond natural infirmities and disabilities or the normal struggle between the flesh and the spirit. And so Merrill Unger is basically saying that there is 
ways in which um, both non-Christians and, yes, even, even Christians can give room to the devil. Sometimes um, it can be through sin, a blatant sin, unrepented of sin, uh, a sin that has, has taken a hold of, of somebody's life, even, even the sin of unforgiveness. It might be addictions, and they come in many, many different forms that open, open up a gateway, as it were, to the, the evil one or an unclean spirit. It could be generational sin. The Bible talks a lot about that. And there's something which is a bit confusing to us, but let me put it this way. Psychologists and counsellors talk, talk about issues of family of origin, how our family of origin can actually influence certain things in our life. Now, by way of an analogy, that might be a good way to understand you know, generational sin. Not to say that the two are the same, but as we understand how our family of origin can influence things in our life, maybe we can also understand how generational sin can also have an influence in our life as well. And of course, there's a very, very obvious one, and that is occultic invo um, involvement, getting involved in the occult. All of those things can open pathways or gateways to the evil one and demonic activity. Well, that's enough from me. I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to stop there. I'm going to invite um, Stephen and Liz. Do you both want to come up and, and join me here? And um, a number of, um, oh, it was about a year ago. Yeah, please, please come up. Yep, now's a good time. Um, yeah, give them, a, give them a round of applause. It's a nice chair. And Stephen. So it must have been about a year ago. Oh, that's mad. Yeah, that is mad. You both should both uh, have have microphones and they're switched on. And, um, yeah, good. So what, would it be about a year ago, Stephen, that um, you first came to the the church office, um, uh, troubled by the by the demonic? Was it about a year ago? Yeah, it was August last year that it all happened. Okay, it was like the third of August. Yeah, yeah. Now, I understand at that, that time, um, uh, you'd been um, in oh, well contact with, with Rachel and had shared a little bit of just what was going on in your life. And, and Rachel, um, you know, had, had permission to involve Dad. And so Sam got involved. And, and from, from that, um, of course, um, they connected you up with the church and, and you, you came for... Well, you really didn't know what you were coming for, did you? But, but some sort of ministry that, that might help you out. Tell us a little bit about um, what was troubling you at that time and, and how did you get to that particular space where you were sort of cry, crying out for, for some sort of help? What was going on in your life? Yeah, I guess a whole lot of things were... I don't know. Do I just hold it there? That's good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I guess... It's just... Yeah, all right. Um, I guess... A whole bunch of things were troubling me. Like I had issues on like a number of different fronts. I was associating with some pretty unsavory characters. Um, that would have been one thing. I just had like a lot of friends that were just sort of involved in organized crime. And um, along with that came like drugs and just a whole bunch of different things like that. I guess I had like um, a fascination with drugs. Mm -hmm. I really, really enjoyed taking psychedelic drugs in particular because you have like very spiritual experiences. Um, yeah, so I did that for many years and that sort of led to finding like worse and worse people. Um, and then one of my ex-girlfriends was 
from like a Hindu family background. And so I've got sort of involved in like some sort of weird occulty practices with her. Mm. So between that and like violent crime and just all the drugs and that sort of stuff, I guess mm. it sort of opened a few doors. Yeah. Um, and then that led to me having severe mental health problems. Um, mm. And obviously I don't believe that mental health, like all mental health problems are solvable just in the physical realm now like having had the experiences that i've had mm. i'm sure we'll get into that a bit later like why mm. i think that mm. but yeah so i was like being taken um, for psychiatric assessments and everything and um i hope you guys think i'm relatively normal now yeah. but uh <laughs> i wasn't then uh like so i guess like the labels that were being attached were like so anxiety depression psychosis schizophrenia like i'd have full audio and visual hallucinations and yeah, just a whole bunch of things, like really intrusive thoughts, violent thoughts. I did do a lot of violent things that I won't get into, but just like for background, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, how, from a medical point of view, you weren't finding the sort of help that you, that you needed? No, absolutely not. So I spoke to a psychologist for quite some time um, and she was great. She really was um, in terms of helping me to understand basically on a physical level why. So if, say you have like a, an anxiety attack, what's happening in your brain and that helped to some extent mm. but I mean they just can't explain so, like hearing voices or when you see hallucinations and things come to you in thoughts mm. outside of your own consciousness and outside of your own personality um, modern medicine really just doesn't have any sort of ex- explanation for that so we take the best guess we can by saying oh well the person has schizophrenia but anything Derek Prince has a quote where he says anything that comes to you in sentences comes from a person like something with personhood. So I don't believe um, that the voices I was hearing or the things that I was seeing were completely generated from within myself. I think they came from other entities. Mm. So you'd pretty much come to the end of yourself in terms of, in terms of hope and, yeah. and started reaching out to, um, well, Rachel, and, but reaching out to Christians or Christianity wasn't, certainly wasn't something that was uh, foremost on your mind, was it? No, it wasn't. It was really strange to me because I was a bad boy in high school um, and Rachel was definitely a good girl. And, um, <laughs> good to hear. But, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, um, and encouragement to everybody here, that Rachel represented Christ very, very well. Mm. Um, and so did Sam. And, and uh, everyone that knows the Scott family know they represent Christ beautifully in everything that they do. And that's been my experience with the Scott family. Um, and I think I saw that even back in high school. So the reason that I did decide to reach out to Rachel specifically and not a Buddhist friend or a Hindu friend or an atheist or whatever was because she modeled Christ well. So that's why I reached out to her, yeah. And, and then what, what happened? What, what, was, what did she recommend? This is where it gets wild, ladies and gentlemen. So, um, so I, I still sort of didn't really believe in the supernatural, which is weird. Like, I think the devil got to have his cake and eat it, like he does with a lot of people. Like, a lot of people I know believe in, like, evil spirits, like ghosts and witches and all that mm. sort of stuff. Mm. But they don't believe that there's a God you can then turn to. So I was sort of in that position. Like, I knew there was something weird, but I definitely didn't believe in Jesus. I thought that was a crutch. Um, but then anyway, yeah, so I went and I spoke to Rachel and I told everything that was going on, the fact that I took a lot of psychedelic drugs and did a lot of things, and she recommended that I go pray with Sam. So I did that, and I went and I prayed with Sam and Liz. And, um, yeah, well, basically a deliverance took place. So, like, I know that sounds really strange that demons were inside me, and, you know, like, we read about it in the Bible, and I think people find it easy to accept when it's in God's Word, which is good because, you know, Scripture is God-breathed. But um, we think it's really weird. And like at Bible college, when I've shared a bit of my testimony, people kind of look at you a bit strange. 
And I think it's a bit strange that we as Christians think the devil's just gone to sleep for the last 2,000 years when his primary goal is our destruction. But mm. we get lulled into this false sense of security that he isn't actively trying to destroy our lives and steal our destiny mm. when Scripture clearly says that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm. So anyway, yeah, I just felt like saying that. But um, So I went there and I went and um, I thought I was really going to hurt somebody because I had been violent. Um, now, can I just... Pause you, yeah. pause you there, Stephen. We'll, we'll go over to things from Liz's perspective. So, so this this session for for prayer and deliverance ministry is set up, and at, at the bolt, Liz, um, Sam has invited you to to come and come and join and be a, be a, a, you know very much a part of this. Um, how were things going? Was Stephen turning up on time? Well, I arrived there and saw this guy walking up and down the car park. Smoking his fat, smoking his cigarette, and I thought, my gosh, he's got something going on in him. Mm. <laughs> yes, really something, because he was. I just knew that there was a lot of anger and and all sorts of. I just felt in my spirit, my gosh, it's, and I didn't realise that he was the one I was going to pray for at that point in time. Oh, okay, because you didn't know what he looked like. No, I had no, no idea what he looked like. Yes, no. Yeah. So I walked in to Sam's office and I said to Sam, there's a guy walking up, and Sam said, that, that's, that's Stephen. And I said, oh. And so um, <laughs> Sam said, come on, let's pray, because he doesn't want to come in. And so we prayed. Before we even hardly got a word out, he walked in. Oh, my goodness. He walked in and he wanted to slam Sam, and I said, no, you won't. And he sat down. It was amazing. Yes. And, but the thing is, when I said, no, you won't, that was the power of the Holy Spirit speaking out because it affected you, didn't it, chum? Oh, yeah, it certainly yeah. did. Nobody yeah. was slammed. No. <laughs> and, but the thing is, it happened very calmly, didn't it, Sam? It really did. Mm, it, yes. it wasn't sort of... Sit down, sort of thing yes, at yes. all. Yeah, it was, it was amazing, really. Yeah. So really, you were just acting in in the authority that belonged in Jesus Absolutely. Christ, and that authority was greater than the demons that were were troubling Stephen. Absolutely, because yeah. he was pretty, weren't you? Upset. Well, you were uh, feeling pretty violent. I was violent. pretty, but um, no, very I, was, violent. I wasn't pretty. I wasn't pretty. Uh, no, I was feeling pretty bad. violent. Believe me, yes. <laughs> So, uh, Liz, you've said that, that this was not the first time you've been involved in deliverance ministry. No. That, that it's often been characterised by a sense of calm and, and it has. with, with and God in control. Yes, it has. And, uh, you know, sometimes people come for prayer with the issue and so on. And, uh, and, and I have actually been greeted when we're praying with someone with, like this. And I say, stop it. And they stop. Mm. And it's really, it's, it's the power of God mm. coming mm. across, really. Mm. But it just comes. Mm. And I think he mm. gives me that uh, sense of that he's in control. I yeah. don't sort of get phased by it at all. Yeah, yeah. Because these things do happen, but sometimes they don't always manifest like that. Sure. Yeah. They can. Yeah, yeah. So, so from a human level, Stephen, you, I, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and, and guess, 
it wasn't that Liz's presence was intimidating you and you <laughs> felt that somehow you just needed to comply. No, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't that. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How would you describe it from your point of view? I don't know. I felt like a real sense of calm once I'd walked in. I think I was like really unsure of what to expect mm. when I did go in. I mean, like if, if I, I guess I kind of knew that deliverance was nice lingo for like a sort of exorcism of, of sorts. I mean, you know what I mean? And then when you think about that, you think about how you've seen it portrayed in movies, with like the head rolling around and all these weird things. Do you know what I'm talking about? I like, must have missed that movie. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's The Exorcist. Don't watch it. Don't. It's, it's, no. Don't watch it. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I thought that that's what was going to happen, but it certainly yeah. wasn't what happened. No. Yeah. What did happen? So um, it started off... Uh, I think I, I accepted Christ as my saviour, I think, before we started. Um, yeah, and I had no idea. Like, I remember Sam said to me that day that, like, your life will completely change and you'll never know, like, you'll just be a completely different direction mm. from that day. And I thought, mm. like, I had no idea what that would look like. Mm. I didn't think I'd be sitting in church, you know. Because um, mm. I thought that was rather ridiculous before I was a Christian. Mm. But... Um, it did completely change, and so the way it looked, and this is is pretty weird, but um, so I, so I accepted Christ as my savior, and then we started renouncing things. So I'd done a lot of things prior to being a Christian, which I now believe opens doorways to the demonic, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people that are atheists that haven't really experimented with drugs or the occult don't really experience any sort of demonic torment. But I'll tell you what, I, I knew a lot of people before I was a Christian that were involved in a lot of things. Like I'm talking like some of the, like, the most recognizable gang members in Melbourne and that sort of stuff were my friends, right? So, and any, and any drug, all drugs were just all around me constantly and every single person I know that experimented with a lot of drugs or d- experimented with the occult was well aware of the supernatural realm. Like, it's very real. But um, anyway, so I went in there and I renounced a whole bunch of things um, that had opened those sort of doors, like um, drugs or... Can I remind you yeah. that... Out of, out of that time, I think, uh, came a lot of uh, significant things like gener- you were talking about yeah. generational things because yeah. there were bondages and, and sin that went right back, weren't there? Yeah, like as my well. grandmother was like a witch. Mm. So, like, I remember when I was younger, she'd asked for a lock of my mm. hair and I think she'd performed some sort of weird voodoo on me because I come from Johannesburg in South Africa. So we have a lot of, like, uh, occultic influences there. But anyway, I'll, like, I'll fast forward. So mm. it, when I was delivered, um, I, I had renounced these sort of doorways that had been opened to the devil um, mm. in my life. Mm. And, and then I think you started, like, commanding spirits to come out of me. I did. Yeah, so I know this is weird as, but you guys weren't expecting this. And it, it was a very physical sensation. Um, so, like, I could actually feel, it felt like, if you know, like, a, a plant's roots? It felt like that was sort of, like, being pulled out from the base of my spine, out, like, the back of my neck. And I just remember, like, I could, I had this uncontrollable, like, like, every time something came out. And I know that sounds really, really strange, right? But... Uh, like actually looking into people's testimonies after having become a Christian, like I didn't know to expect that, but a lot of people experienced that. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. But um, ever since that day, I've like come off my medications. And so some people sort of like, I've had people at Bible college even suggest that somehow I tricked myself into curing everything that was going on. And if that's true, that's a fantastic trick that everyone in a psych ward needs to realize. Because I'll tell you what, since then I haven't had any intrusive thoughts, no hallucinations, 
um, no crippling depression or anxiety. I haven't been taken to the hospital for any psychiatric assessments. I'm off um, a whole bunch of medications. Um, and I'm like madly in love with Jesus. I've lost a lot of friends because I'm a completely different person. Mm. Um, they think I'm like a goody two shoes now. And it's very strange for them to see that. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's all very, very, very real. Yes, yes. Mm. Liz, uh, just going back to, um, and so things had to be, just like we read in scripture then, Jesus mm. actually cast out, he commanded an evil spirit to That's leave right. the little boy. Yeah. That's obviously something that at a, a particular time in the, the, the ministry through prayer, mm. you felt the Lord leading you to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I think this is what always happens, that uh, the Lord is in control of all of that and takes us along the path where you need to go. Mm. And there are certain mm. things that one recognises that are there because of just, I guess, experience. Mm. You sort of learn mm. these things. Mm. And uh, and it, it sort of reminded me uh, about how it can affect a Christian too, because last night I suppose some of you might have been at the awakening or the other night when Todd, so last night Todd, I've got so many things going on in here, but Todd White was speaking about how he was in this cafe in Brazil and felt to pray with uh, the staff there, but they were too busy fixing the food, but the manager, he said, can I pray with you? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so Todd, uh, sort of went across to him and just like this, I'm Todd. Mm. And he put his arm on this manager and uh, he said, can I pray with you? And the manager said, yes. And he said, uh, when he was praying for him, he suddenly started to move in a very strange way. And, uh, and he started to manifest, right? And um, anyhow, he said to the manager, do you know Jesus, right? And uh, the manager said, yes, I'm a born again Christian. And uh, he said, but I've sinned badly, he said, against my wife and all this sort of thing. And started to express all the things that, that were wrong with him. And he, he just had the most incredible deliverance mm. and yet you see you were saying this morning about how we can open doors mm. Mm. even though we are christians mm. Mm. and and it, it sort of makes a place ready mm -hmm. for the rats to come mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah you know you use that analogy of uh, rats are attracted to garbage and if yeah. there is there is garbage in your life whether yeah. Whether it's something that you're brought in or whether it's something that you inherited. That's it was right. it was That's it was right. just in your life, which would yep. certainly seem to be the case with yep. the little boy. You know, That's it's right. you know, you don't get the sense he's old enough to have no. you know, done this. But no. but here he has you know, there's garbage in his life, rats are attracted to that and mm. they're causing him awful torment. Mm. Yeah. Probably through his family. Who knows? Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. So but these things happen, and uh, but God is great, yeah. isn't he? Stephen, tell us about the smile. Oh, yeah. So I hadn't smiled in I don't know how long. Like, I just didn't smile. And, like, I know I'm dressed completely in black now. But that's just, like, coincidence. I had a green shirt on this morning, if any of you you would know that, but <laughs> it was a long sleeve shirt. It's hot today. 
But um, I don't know, I just dressed in complete black. I was very depressed and I just never smiled. Like I just didn't smile, I didn't laugh. Like I couldn't, I don't know. And I remember walking out of there and it was like a lens, like I just could see in color. Like I saw birds and I actually took enjoyment from something other than cigarettes and drugs. Like by like smelling and like seeing birds and just, I don't know, it was just remarkable. Yeah. Just like a completely different life. Yeah. Stop smiling. Yeah, I couldn't stop smiling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, uh, so you were starting to see the world now through through different eyes. Really, the eyes of God as His His Spirit now reigned in you and was was free to um, to to lead you as His His child. What was the next step in your Christian walk um, for you? Yeah, so um, I guess like really walking that out. And so if you've come from that kind of background, there's so many things with the Christian life that you need. You need to like walk out your deliverance basically, right? So mm. I think it's in Matthew 12 and Jesus teaches about a demonic deliverance. And he talks about um, if you then allow the house to become empty again, you know, the demon will come back and bring many worse yeah. than itself, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was very mindful to like be reading my Bible and like, praying and um i linked up obviously with the scott family so that helped a lot like you know when i had questions about biblical inerrancy whether the bible wasn't like inspired by the holy spirit or man or whatever and just learning growing in faith um growing in prayer understanding that like you can't do a lot of the things you were doing before you were a christian because it will like again open demonic doors i just like want to say a quick thing like if anyone here is struggling with like an insane mental illness or whatever, like I know how dark that is because I mean, it's just absolutely terrible. And if you haven't sought deliverance or if you haven't like looked into the more spiritual side of the issues that you're suffering from, I would just really encourage you to do that because I'd been on antidepressants, antipsychotics, like you name it, like I was taking it. And at the end of the day, the only thing that really helped was actually attacking the problem where it originated, which is the spiritual realm. So, I mean, like, I don't know where everyone's at with that. If you're all good, that's great. But if not, I would just encourage you to go, like, seek and pray with someone who really understands that there's more to life. So it sounds like the, the deliverance ministry really sits well in the context of discipleship in terms of, of not just this, I just, I just want to be free for my own benefit and then go back to, you know, just, the, you know, my version of a good life. This, this really sits in the context of lordship, of Jesus, I will follow you all my days. And, and, and uh, shortly after that baptism, uh, Stephen, I, I still remember your, your baptism. I still remember you coming up out of the water, that beautiful symbol of the old me is dead. Here I am, the new me, alive to Christ. Do you remember that moment? I do. That was a lovely day. really was. And on that note, John Piper has a whole thing about if you just use Jesus for salvation, you haven't even received Jesus. Like if you're just seeking deliverance for the sake of seeking deliverance and you're not completely changing your life, you haven't received the Holy Spirit and you're not regenerated. Like mm-hmm. if you encounter Jesus, your life's going to change. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, tell us about your baptism. How was that significant for you? Uh, well, it was fantastic because it meant that I was, yeah, I, the significance of like a public declaration of following Jesus, mm. you know, because I'd, I'd been perceived a certain way for my whole life and I've, I'd, sort of yoked myself to a whole bunch of different activities and things. And it was representation of, I guess, being born again into God's family. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And dying to those things, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 
In terms of your identity, who you are now, Stephen, how, how would you describe yourself? I'd say my identity is pretty inseparable from Christ's. Yeah. Like, it's the, it's the foundation I stand on. It's the reason, like, I wake up. It's the reason I have any hope in anything. Um, it's the reason you do things. It's the reason you're kind to people. It's just, yeah, it's pretty much everything. Yeah, yeah. Maybe one last thing, because you just, you just prompted me there. Um, after, I, I believe that um, straight, straight after that deliverance, you walked out, and, um, and you actually felt quite emotional as you saw people, because the love that God has for them was suddenly, suddenly you saw them as God saw them. Is it, t- tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's true. That was one of the weirdest experiences is because I used to just like absolutely hate people. Like I used to really hate people. I used to have a lot of issues with humanity and I used to be very, very, very violent. Um, and I used to like, like for, for example, like when I used to see a homeless person, I know this is terrible, but just for context, I used to think that that was disgusting. And then ever since I've like come to know Christ, you think the love and compassion you have for those people without having even had to open your Bible and know that that's what you're supposed to do is just such evidence of like God's spirit working in you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not something that's learned when you're a Christian. It's something that's like coming from within you. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So a love that wells up from, from inside. Exactly. A deep well. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Why don't you put your, your hands together? Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Liz. Let me um, <laughs> let me just mention a, a couple of a couple of things. Maybe this is sort of um, those times where it's left you now with more questions um, than you used to have about this whole whole area. But um, as as always, God's word is a is a wonderful resource. And, and let me just add add a number of um, comments to to this. In in terms of um, but just the whole issue of, um, well, how, what can um, demons do to saints and, and how does that actually work? Scripture actually doesn't say anywhere that, that the demonic cannot actually um, harass and um, invade and, and uh, uh, cause Christians you know, various problems. And it actually it intimates in several passages that, in fact, that's exactly, you know, the thief comes to kill, steal, destroy. That's exactly actually what, what spirits are doing, particularly when it comes to Christians deceiving spirits. And there's a number of very, very um, stern warnings in Scripture about this. 1 Timothy 4.1, for instance, talks about the danger of following deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Have you ever thought about that? Teachings that come from demons. That can actually happen. So beware. <laughs> beware what you Google. 1 John 4, 1 talks about the type of spirit that is not of God. And 2 Corinthians eleven four warns against believing or receiving false spirits that are preached by, by false teachers. So it seems that, that Scripture really does caution us um, in this regard. Um, perhaps one way to, um, to understand this is that in most of your translations, your English translations, it's a very poor um, translation of the Greek words, 
And it often comes across the word demon possession is used, but it's, but it's actually not a particularly helpful word because demon possession, the English word possession, um, really, really seems to refer, doesn't it, to the you know, wholesale ownership of, doesn't it? So that is one very, very extreme level of demonization. But scripture seems to, to talk in the Greek words talk more about levels of demonization. I used this illustration this morning. I'll use it real, real quick. But uh, back in my police force days, uh, um, on a, um, at, a, at a demonstration in Port Melbourne, um, we had demonstrators coming at us with tins of paint. And, and at a particular time, the inspector gave us permission to, to um, break our line, our thin blue line, break rank, and to, to go and pursue these people and arrest them. And as we, you know, I remember um, in those days, I was a lot faster than I, than I am now. And, and I remember I just, you know, quickly grabbed someone. And, and at first I had them in my grip, just by the shirt. I just had them in my grip like this. Um, not, not a firm hold, but a pretty good hold. And then after that, I was able to pull them in and, and use a couple of different holds that we would learn at the academy. Um, and, uh, and I was able to put handcuffs on on the, um, the offender and, and actually truly now um, had, had control of him. But I'd say, I'd say there are different levels of control. Initially, I had some control just by having a grip. Later on, I had virtually full control when, when the offender was in handcuffs. And so I would say in terms of demonic activity, similarly, when, when the Bible talks about control and demonic control, there are levels. There is a very loose level in which you have just given, given the demonic some sort of a hold on your life. Um, and then there is, there is you know, a, a much more severe level of control as well. The important thing possibly is in all of this to remember um, what seemed to get a little bit lost in this passage. Remember there was the question outstanding, and that was, that was this. Why were the disciples unable to cast out this particular demon? And so it seems that when it comes to, in the world of demons, there are differences. Some are more powerful than others. The point, though, is that God is more powerful than them all. And when we pray for deliverance and things like that, we need to pray in that, in that sense, remembering the power and authority that is in Jesus. Um, the father and the crowd are rebuked by Jesus for their unbelief. The disciples, when they say, why couldn't we cast it out? In the parallel passage in Matthew chapter 17, 20, we read that Jesus rebukes them for their little faith. He said, you don't need much faith. In fact, as much as, say, the size of a mustard seed can make a mountain move from one place to another. That's all you really need. The important thing is to have faith. And so the reason the disciples, it seems, were unable to cast out this particular demon is because they, in their prayer, did not really have faith. They were not praying in faith. So not all challenges that we face, what can we take away from this? Not all challenges that we face in life are demonic, but all challenges, regardless of their cause and ultimate source, must submit to the name of Jesus Christ. Every challenge, every obstacle that stands between you and God's purposes must submit to the powerful name of Jesus Christ. So perhaps the takeaway for all of us tonight is, okay, this is a, perhaps a whole area that you've, you've never really considered before, but 
But now, as a result of tonight, are reminded, you know what, I, I probably need to take this seriously. What's the most important fact to walk away with from tonight? I would say, I would say this. The disciples were confronted with a problem they couldn't in and of themselves resolve. They just couldn't. No doubt they had invoked Jesus' name and, and yet, strangely, it hadn't worked. An argument had ensued and, and, and they were curious as to what went wrong. And Jesus quite simply explains to them that they needed to believe they needed to have faith and they needed to pray in that manner that Jesus was capable to overcome any earthly or demonic power, anything at all, he could overcome in his name. And perhaps the lesson for us tonight, as, as is often the case, is to be reminded once again to believe in the absolute sovereign power of God to deliver you from anything and everything that stands in the way of God's purposes for you. It may have a demonic source, it may not, but God is enough for you. God is big enough. Whatever worry, concern that you might have, whatever it might be in your life, you can believe that in Jesus there is power and there is authority that you can claim as his child to remove any obstacle that stands in the way of God's purposes. Understanding God's purposes in these matters is, is, is very important. To understand his will is important. Do you remember Paul had a particular ailment? Three times he prayed that he would be released from it. But it seems that in that particular instance, it wasn't a lack of faith on Paul's part. It wasn't a lack of belief on Paul's part. But Paul had to come to, to understand that God's purpose actually was to provide sufficient grace for Paul to endure that particular circumstance. And as a result of that, he would prove that God's strength is made perfect in his weakness. And he would record that for us for all time. So understanding God's will in a particular matter is very, very important. Understanding his purposes in a matter is very, very important. But I would say this, without a doubt, demonic intrusion of any type is never God's purpose. Bottom line. You don't have to pray about that one. <laughs> there may be many things in your life, many difficulties and challenges in your life, and you need to understand God's will and his purposes about that particular matter. But when it comes to the demonic, it is never his purpose. And there is power and there is authority for you to have that removed by a gracious, loving Father who is filled with compassion and filled with mercy and always desiring that you would be able to enter into his absolute freedom and his absolute best for you. Sometimes that's difficult to believe. Let's be frank. That's exactly, in fact, what the father said to Jesus. Jesus said, what do you mean if I can help you? Of course I can. Nothing's impossible if you'll believe. And the father says in this moment of just beautiful honesty, you know, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. I think that's a prayer Jesus loves to respond to. Maybe you have an obstacle. Maybe you're facing a situation in your life and, and it feels 
it feels too big, too huge, too overwhelming. And if I were to ask you tonight, well, are you willing to believe that Jesus is big enough for that particular situation? Maybe you could say yes. Or maybe tonight you'd just simply like to say, oh, Jesus, help me with my unbelief. He will. He will. It's a prayer he loves to answer. And from a discipleship point of view, let me, let me finish with, with this illustration. We, we have had at our, at our house a um, couple, of, couple of visitors recently, a brown snake, a baby tiger snake, and, and then one other slightly unidentified snake. <laughs> so some of you would know um, Sarah, who's not here tonight, but is often, often here in an evening service. Her father, um, Ken, actually um, served in, in uh, um, Poland for many, many years as a missionary, come back to Australia, and um, he um, is, is now doing as a, a, a little bit of a side business snake removals and um, just taking care of wildlife and so forth. So I rang Ken and asked him to come around and just have a look at our little, our little garden area where we were encountering these snakes. And, and he had a look around and he, he had a look at the, the food sources, the water, you know, for the chickens and the, and the chicken feeder and thinking about the mice that that would attract. There was plenty of food source. The, the low shrubs that are around the garden, plenty of hidey holes and big, big rocks which form part of the path down to the house, which would be just perfect for a, for a snake habitat. And he looked, looked around at all of this and he said, ha, ah, you've virtually got a, a snake terranium here. He said, everything that a snake would love, you know, as a part of its habitat, it's all here. <laughs> and I said, oh, great. <laughs> He said, the first thing that I would do if I were you is to remove everything that the snake is attracted to. I'd get rid of the bushes and the shrubbery. I'd get rid of the food source. I would just basically make this a place where the snake does, has no interest actually in, in living. And he also had a, had a dog with him, a little, a little canine that was able to sniff out snakes. And it was running around the garden and all over the rocks and so forth and, and trying to detect where the snakes were. And he certainly, certainly found where it was and there was a snake skin on the ground. And so he's a good little doggy. But he was good at actually detecting um, the, the snakes. And, and he didn't find one on this particular afternoon. But if he did, he was trained to not actually attack it, which would probably not end well, actually. But he was trained to just sit. When he'd found it, he would, just, he would just sit. And that would be an indication to Ken that, that okay, he's, he's found a snake. And then Ken would come and, and deal with it. So I'd probably just, by way of analogy, finish with, with that thought. You know, in our life, we can sometimes willingly or sometimes unwillingly create an environment which can attract the activity of the evil one. And scripture is, is filled with instruction and teaching on discipleship to, to keep those sorts of things far away from your life. And as you put into practice the teachings of Jesus and follow him with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, loving him in that way as well, as you do that, I think you will find that you remove the sorts of things that, that make your soul, the inner part of you, a place that the enemy can inhabit. 
But then there are times within the body of Christ too where we sometimes, we can't actually detect what's going on. And so we use one another. And we can use people who are able to have a gift of discerning spirits and prayer and intercession and so forth who can help in those instances. And just as they did with Stephen, um, it's, it's good sometimes to sit down with, with some mature, seasoned people who have walked this walk and, and a little bit like a detector canine to just, just help. Is there anything here, anything at all? It's not that they are gurus and they themselves will actually somehow take all of these things away. No, just like that doggy, um, they don't have authority in and of themselves. They will sit with you in that space and invite the activity of God because it is ultimately God who does the deliverance work. It is God who can set you free. It is God who can, yes, um, uh, bring you out of darkness and, and into light. That's his activity. That's what he does. And the authority that we have to pray in his name is able to eliminate all demonic activity in your life. So, one of two errors. To be overly interested in this or to just disregard it as having absolutely no bearing on your life whatsoever. To balance that out, I say understand that Jesus Christ is everything that you need. You do not have to fear. Look at the example of how easily he dealt with this situation. The kingdom of God is a, is a powerhouse filled with his light and his presence and able to accomplish every good thing that needs to take place in your life. You do not have to be afraid, but nor be complacent. Remember, in the name of Jesus, there is deliverance from absolutely every scheme of the enemy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the power of your word. We thank you for the testimony tonight of that power at work in Stephen's life, drawing him to yourself as he explored the darkness, Father, and, and, and felt how dark that darkness is in a place of feeling overwhelmed and enslaved, he cried out to you, a cry that you heard immediately as you drew him into your presence, into your arms, into your family. Your spirit alive in him was able to produce good fruit in keeping with one of your disciples. And we celebrate that testimony of your power and your grace tonight. That same power, that same grace is available to all of us who believe. And we just declare tonight, Lord Jesus, we believe you are powerful. We believe that you have all authority over all things. But sometimes in our weakness, our prayer is simply this, help us with our unbelief. We want to thank you, Jesus, for delivering each and every one of us and the good purposes that you have planned for each of your children. May we be free to discover them more and more as we walk with you.
Amen. We're going to um, stand and sing a, a final song. If you have any questions at all about tonight, I know, a bit of a different topic, isn't it? Uh, but don't be fearful. Please come and um, approach one of the leaders of the church, one of the pastors. Please come with any questions that you have. We'd love to just sit with you and, and try and help answer them. Blessings. I stand.
in Second Chronicles 20 and it says, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. So God, I thank you for how we can rest in this power, knowing who you are, knowing that everything is possible if we believe. And Father, I thank you for that encouragement in the passage that we're looking at today that of, of the Father who has said that I, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. God, we, for those of us who are struggling to believe sometimes, God, we, we come to you with this. I pray that we can just walk out in confidence, knowing that you have all the authority, all the power. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you for being with us tonight. We'd love if you can hang around. We've got supper up the back. And if you have any questions or would just like prayer for anything in particular, feel free to come down the front and someone will pray with you. God bless.